Hello, I'd like to welcome you back to our series on being counseled by God. This is our second to last lesson in this series. This is lesson number 11. Uh, Today's topic is going to be a little bit touchy for some. Um, I recognize that going into this. Whenever I myself was taking this course, um, I I sort of struggled with it. I'm going to put that up front for you. Uh, This particular lesson may ruffle some feathers, and that is okay. What is important is that we walk into this with an open mind and an open heart and a willingness to receive from the Spirit. Uh, If you're walking through this particular lesson uh, without those things, you are likely to become uh, rather frustrated and possibly irritated with yourself, with me, and with God. Um, This... I, I Let me put it this way. Earlier on in this series, I had alluded to this lesson. And it raised some question then. Uh, and it's probably going to raise some question even still. But you guys know that I'm available to answer your questions and I'm happy to do so. Uh, today's topic, we're going to be talking about depression. And how we can work our way out of depression and move forward into the joy that God has for us. Let's go ahead and open up with a word of prayer, and then we'll get into our content. Heavenly Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I come before you with my brothers and my sisters, and I just pray, Lord God, that you would begin right in this very moment to open up our eyes, that we would see, Lord God, with our spirit, what you have to show us. I pray, Lord God, that you would open up our ears that we would hear what you have to teach us, that you would open up our hearts and make us receptive, Lord God, unto the things that you have for us. Father, right now, as we come together in holy unity, I just pray, Lord God, that you would command your blessings to fall upon these people. They've come this far. They've walked closely with you. They've, they've taken the time to to express interest in coming deeper and closer to you. And Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that the fruit of that effort would be made known to them, Father, that they would feel their relationship deepening with you with every passing moment. Father, be with us tonight as we go through this subject. And I pray, Lord God, that you would reveal to each one of us how we can step away from things that pull us down and step into your holy presence. Father, if we would only just speak your name, we know that in but a moment you will meet us in the most holy presence of Jehovah. And we give you thanks, honor, and glory in the name of Jesus and all God's children said, Amen. So we're talking about how to move from depression to joy. And I don't think the joy part is going to be what's going to ruffle the feathers. I think the depression part is the part that's going to have that tendency. Because like I said, uh, just just as a full disclosure, when I took this course um, as, as part of my learning experience to earn my degree, I... I struggled with some of the things that I learned regarding depression. However, when I took the time and really sought God on it, at this point, having having spent the time to learn and, and to have the Holy Spirit uh, 
show me and guide me, I can now have an understanding of what what it is that we're going to talk about. And I, I really hope that you will listen to this and, and take notes and be open-minded. Tell your heart to be receptive. Um, I, I know that depression is a very real thing. Do not take this as something that that says depression is to be taken lightly. Um, it's really not. Depression is very real. It affects a lot of people uh, worldwide, not just in the United States, but uh, all over. And what we have to recognize as believers, if, if you're listening to this uh, series, if you're, if you're part of this series, I'm assuming that you are already a believer in Jesus Christ, and that comes along with the understanding that Jesus Christ is higher and greater, more powerful than anything that there ever has been. And depression is one of those things. Jesus is the name above every name. He's the name above above depression. He's the name above sickness. He's the name above disease. He's the name above every name. Amen. So let's, with with that in mind, let's begin. First thing that we're going to do is we're going to define depression. And this is not the way that a, a clinician would define depression. Depression in in terms of this course of study being counseled by God, depression can be defined as giving in to the pressures of life while letting go of faith in God. Now, I struggled with this definition myself um, whenever, I, whenever I first began to study it. But I want to break this down for you. And it's, it helps sometimes to give that guided imagery to push us forward, to make us realize um, the, the truth behind what is said and what is, what is being taught. Giving in to the pressures of life. Think about the things that you go through in life. Think about the things that, that weigh you down, okay? Uh, if, if you would just imagine life as as what it is and and you have something pushing at you from the right and something pushing at you from the left and something pushing down from the top and then something pushing up from the bottom you have something pushing at you from all directions that's a common circumstance for us to find ourselves in Uh, we we tend to stay very busy Um, we have the church choir, we've got the PTA meeting, we've got the city council meeting, we have, uh, you know, the advisory board meeting at work. You have all of these things. There's, there's countless things that are pushing at you for every, from every direction. These are the pressures of life. Okay. And it's easy to just let them push us over and accidentally at the same time let go of our faith in God. We, we see all of these things and we'll, we'll take out a pen and paper and we'll write down 
all right, Monday, I have this meeting. Tuesday, I have this meeting. Wednesday, I have this to go to. Thursday, I've got that happening. Friday is this. Saturday is that. Sunday, I better make time for church. But I also have this, this, and this to do on Sunday because I'm going back to work on Monday. And then I have to repeat this all. And so the the pressures of life become so real. And they become so heavy and so cumbersome that we organize it in a way that makes sense to us and we say, all right, I got this. But what we need to say is, all right, God has got this. You see, um, it, it makes a big difference. I'll give you the personal testimony here. It makes a big difference in my life if I have the, the extra five minutes in the morning before I get uh into my work day to to even just read three verses of scripture. If I have time for a full chapter, it's even better. But if I can just read three verses of scripture, it it almost seems that that the weight of the world, those things that push from every direction, that those things don't push as hard. Why? Because I've focused my mindset for the day on God. I've, I've reminded myself that my faith is always first because God is first. So I hope that that gives you a clear understanding of that definition. That definition of depression being giving in to life's pressures while letting go of faith in God. What are some causes of depression. I want to cover seven of them. And they're, I think that they're going to make sense to you. One of them is probably going to throw a little bit of a spin at you. Um, but that's okay. We'll cover that and we'll, we'll expound upon it as we go. Life circumstances are a big cause of depression. Uh, just like we talked about, Life comes at you from all directions, and sometimes you just stand back and shake your head and say, just for a moment, can I catch a break? I hear you. I've been there. Life circumstances can be a great cause of depression. Lack of discipline can be a cause of depression, and and that is not necessarily um, parental discipline. It could be, um, but lack of discipline being self-discipline can be a cause of depression, poor bodily care. If you're not taking care of yourself, then you will physically have a tendency to become depressed. Illness, they're kind of falling in the same category. Um, When something is ailing your physical body, you are going to have a likelihood to become depressed. These are the two uh, these these next two here are the ones that are going to throw a curveball at you. And th- these two are a little bit tougher to choke down, so bear with me. A cause of depression can actually be a religious spirit. And uh, sometimes people, especially in the church world, dare we call it that, um, tend to get a little bit touchy when it comes to what has been described to me as hyper-spiritualizing things. 
And that's when we as believers say, there's, there's a foul spirit at the root of this problem. Um, some people get a little bit upset whenever, whenever we take that stance. I am, I am of the opinion that the spirit world is very real. Angels are real. Demons are real. And where the Holy Spirit is not, there is room for a demonic spirit. And so, um, a religious spirit in your life is going to piggyback on legalism. Um, and, and I'll let you do your own research. I don't have time to fully get into the religious spirit, but I I think most people are going to have an understanding of it. That can really cause depression. Why? Because a religious spirit tells you that everything has to go according to the book. Everything has to go exactly as it's laid out. And that is something that will ultimately bog you down and drive you to depression. Um, And then unconfessed sin can cause depression. And that one, I know some people can really scratch their head at. Um, Unconfessed sin can be a cause of depression in that when you have unconfessed sin, remember a couple weeks ago we talked about um, true guilt and false guilt. When you have unconfessed sin in your life, You are subject to true guilt, which is conviction of the Holy Spirit. And God will not cause you to fall into depression. But when you continue to run from God and you continue to not confess the sin and you continue to walk in that conviction, it will bother you to the point of weighing you down and causing you to fall into depression. So that is how unconfessed sin, I know that I, I've answered a couple questions on that particular um, cause over the last couple of weeks. Uh, but, but that's how that one works. If you have unconfessed sin, you're going to get huge amounts of conviction. If you continue to run from that conviction, it's going to weigh you down and you will likely become depressed. This is the greatest one. This last one is the one that you really need to write down. If you didn't write any of those last ones down, I want you to write this down. The root of almost, and underline almost, the root of almost all depression is loss of divine perspective. Let me say that again. The root of almost... All depression is a loss of divine perspective. So when you look at life through eyes of man, then you are not looking at life through the eyes or through the, through the Christ lens. You're looking at what I can do, what I can see, what I can say, what I can make happen instead of what God sees and what God can make happen and what God can do. And with Christ, all things are possible. There's a loss of divine perspective. All right? That one is huge. Because if you, if you think about this, 
and we go back through all of those other six causes that we just described. And I'm going to run through this briefly, but I want you to hear this. I want you to hear how divine perspective can change all of these. Okay, so we're going to do this quickly for time. Life circumstances. With the divine perspective of God is in control, life circumstances are bowing down to God because God is greater. Okay, without that divine perspective, life circumstances are going to browbeat you. They're going to pull you down. They're going to cave in on you. With divine perspective... You are going to have that self-discipline that it takes. Uh, Christianity takes self-discipline. And so you will see in, in your lifestyle as a Christian believer that your self-discipline through, through, through Christ is keeping you kind of afloat. Um, the, the life circumstances then aren't building up on a lack of self-discipline, but rather the life circumstances that bow down to the name of Jesus are also saying this person has it together because they have God at the forefront and they have self-discipline. Poor bodily care. Without divine perspective, you see just a person that doesn't maybe need cared for, but with a divine perspective, you see the image of God. I have been created, fearfully and wonderfully made, in the image of God Most High. Remember in Genesis that God said, Let us make man and let us make him in our image. Three parts, body, soul, and spirit, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Three parts. With divine perspective, you see that this being needs cared for, but without divine perspective... It's only a flesh body. Illness. This one can be a little bit tricky. With divine perspective, illness is not going to control you. I'm sorry if that, if that offends you. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry if, if that pricks a nerve at you. Um, but I have personally seen people who have, who have taken a very severe diagnosis and turned and said, I won't receive that diagnosis. No, my God is in control. And, and within weeks or sometimes months and, and sometimes even within a year or two, the diagnosis is turned backwards and they say, you're, you're free from this diagnosis. Why? Because there was a divine perspective and the person said, No, I do not receive that because by the power of God most high, I shall be made whole. Divine perspective. Without that divine perspective, we will be prone to say, I receive the diagnosis of that illness. I receive what that illness will do to my flesh body. And I receive the ramifications of the illness without a divine perspective. Divine perspective makes a world of difference. Unconfessed sin. Well, you got it. If you don't have a divine perspective, unconfessed sin is probably going to linger. But with 
divine perspective, unconfessed sin will then be confessed. Without divine perspective, a religious spirit can get a stronghold in your life, but with divine perspective, the Holy Spirit will build foundation in your life. All right? Divine perspective makes a big difference for us as believers. And so the root of almost all depression is a loss of divine perspective. We need to move forward from from the ways of this life, from, from depression onward into joy. What can we do? What can give us that, that incomprehensible joy? Talking to people gives us joy, but not just talking with anybody. Talking with someone like-minded, talking with someone who is a fellow believer, someone who can edify you and exhort you unto love and good works as the scripture teaches us to do. We can have somebody to pray with, just not just to pray um, you for someone else, but someone else to turn around and pray then for you. And, and you have that folly. I love when I can, when I can get a hold of a, a friend or a loved one and say, you know what, let me pray for you. And I can, I can either do this over the phone or in person, but just, just praying, you know, coming before the throne room of God, kneeling down in his presence and, and beginning to pray and proclaim blessings over someone and, and just as soon as you say amen, they pick up right where you left off and they start to pray for you. Hallelujah. Somebody tell me you can feel the Holy Ghost moving as we're talking about this. I love to be able to get together with like-minded believers and pray with them. And, and then that, that rush of, oh my goodness, I didn't expect you to pray for me too. But then you did. It's, it's about getting into God's presence. When you sit daily in the presence of Most High God, you're moving onward to joy. You're moving onward to joy. So, I'm, I'm actually going to insert this week's scripture. I, I narrowed it down to one scripture for this week. Uh, and I did that with intention. But this week, and, and we're only partially through this lesson, but I want to give you the scripture that you're going to hang on to for the week. This week, I want you to hang on to the second half of Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. And uh, if you want to go through and read the entire chapter, it's a good chapter. Um, in fact, the entire book of Nehemiah, I, I thoroughly appreciate. But... For this lesson, for, for, for today, I want you to focus on the second half of, of verse 10 in Nehemiah chapter 8. It says this, Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Do you need to write that down and put it on a post-it note where you can see it each and every day? Probably so. Because there's a lot of things in life that we will uh, ultimately walk toward. And then something happens. We walk into the wall. 
and we go, oh, no, 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 no. How am I ever going to get through this? The joy of the Lord is your strength. Do not grieve. Do not grieve. I love those words. There's an instruction. You see, when we quote that particular scripture, we always just want to jump straight to the joy of the Lord is my strength. But there's an instruction before we can get to that. The instruction, do not grieve. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Amen. So get into God's presence. That's that's ultimately how we're going to move forward into joy. Because when you're in God's presence, you're going to regain that divine perspective. Okay? Here's, here's three focuses that we have to have that... that that we could potentially have, I guess, is a better way of saying this, when we're trying to overcome something, such as depression. We could have a focus on a living self. What does that mean? Well, you believe that the temptation is sin. You give in to sin. You live in self-effort. And the result is frustration and guilt. That's, that's the focus of a living self. In other words, a self that has lost divine perspective. A self that's going to succumb to life circumstances. A, a self that's going to lack self-discipline. Because you look at sin and you give in to sin. And you live in self-effort. And then you walk in frustration and guilt. Another focus could be on a dead self. And this is where you attempt to push darkness and sin away by your own strength. Where does that get you? That doesn't get you anywhere. Why? Because that's legalism. And legalism is a route to death. That's a dead self. When, when you see darkness around you and you say, I know that I can work through this. You know, when, when the psalmist wrote, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Not because he's by himself, but for thou art with me. So, so the psalmist had an understanding that it, it wasn't by his own strength that he would push out darkness, that he would push out sin, but it would be by the strength of God, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. The tw- mm, hallelujah. That's a dead self. Legalism. I can do this on my own the proper focus, the focus that we should have is a Christ self. That is where you allow Jesus Christ himself to be joined in spirit to yourself. You say, he is joined in spirit to me and he is keeping the law and he is pushing out the darkness of sin by the light of the Holy Spirit. Amen? He is the one. It's not me. No. 
It's, it's Jesus Christ within me. You guys have probably heard me utilize this scripture before, but I'm going to use it again uh, as, as the Lord brings it back to my mind. I don't have this written in my notes, but I'm, I'm feeling the urge that somebody needs to hear this fresh and new. Galatians 2.20, a Christ self. For I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. A Christ self. He is the one. This is the focus that we have to have when we're trying to overcome depression. Why? Because the moment we focus in on a Christ self, we lose the word trying and we simply overcome. Because Jesus Christ went to a cross to bear our pain, to bear our suffering, so that we could live a life free of suffering, free of the wages of sin, free. Whom the Son has set free is free indeed. You see, Jesus Christ is the light of the world. We hear that every year at Christmas time, but do we keep it year round? Jesus Christ is the light of the world. And where light is present, there is no darkness. Let me say that again. Where light is present, there is no darkness. Here's your journaling exercise for the week. And and I, I want you to be prepared to walk into this journaling exercise. I want you to seek God's face like you have not yet sought him. We're in, we're in lesson 11. We have one more lesson to cover before we complete this series. And so I trust that at this point, you're, you're comfortable with your two-way journaling, that you can take a piece of paper and write out a prayer and, and say, Lord, this is my prayer, and you can wait upon a response from your God. This is what I want you to journal this week. I want your journaling exercise to be, Dear Lord, have I lost my divine perspective? Have I lost my divine perspective? And allow the Lord to to speak to you. Allow him to correct you if you need correcting in the area of divine perspective. Allow him to lead you. Allow him to guide you. Allow him to reprove and correct you. Because if you have lost your divine perspective... Only he can restore it for you. You will not restore it for yourself. You will not restore it on your own. 
but he will, not just can, he will restore it for you. So journal that this week. Journal that this week. And and if you have questions regarding any of this, um, please don't hesitate to contact me. You know, you guys all know how I work. Um, I'm more than happy to elaborate uh, if you need clarification on any of this. But one more time, I want you to hear this. Jesus Christ is the light of the world. And where light is present, there is no darkness. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I just thank you, I thank you, I thank you for this time. Father, I praise you because I know that even as I have been speaking, someone's life has been changed. I know, Lord God, that you have reached into the hearts of at least one, if not more, of your children, and you've begun to rekindle a flame. Father, you've begun to create in this person a clean heart, a heart that searches for you around every corner, a heart that watches for where you will lead. A heart, Lord God, that longs and yearns for you and for you alone. So Father, I give you praise for these people. I give you praise, Lord God, for the time that we spend studying your word, studying concepts of your word together. Studying, Lord God, to show ourselves approved for a day that is yet to come. Father, I pray in the righteous name of Jesus that you would show each one of these people, each one of your children, how you have set them free, how you alone, Lord God, have called them free, liberated children of Most High God. I thank you for that spirit, that that spirit of sonship and of adoption, Lord God, that you've placed upon each one of us. I thank you, Lord God, that you would love me enough, that you would love my brothers and my sisters enough to send your one and only son, your only begotten son, to lay down his life for each one of us. Father, I give you praise and honor and glory for all that you are yet to do in the lives of your children. And I pray all of this in the name of Jesus Most High and all God's children said, Amen and amen. Have a blessed week. We will meet back here next week for Lesson 12, our final lesson. God bless. series on being counseled by God. This is our final lesson, lesson number 12. We've covered a lot during this course, and uh, tonight's session is basically going to cover how we're going to apply the core of the knowledge to our daily lives. Um, Throughout every lesson, we've made it a point to uh, seek God and see what God wants to say to us about each uh, area of study. And tonight's lesson is a lot the same, but what we're going to do is we're going to take all of the information that we've uh, talked about in the last 12 weeks, and we're going to put it on one big umbrella, 
and see how we fit um, being counseled by God into our lives permanently. So my, my hope is that you won't just take this and, and utilize it for 12 weeks, but that you would rather um, take this and, and add it to your walk with Christ. Add it in to, you know, your, your, your daily prayer time, your, your devotional time, whatever it is, that you would take time to seek God's counsel and really understand what he has to say in every area of your life. Let's open up with a word of prayer and then uh, we'll get into our lesson. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this day and this time. I thank you, Lord God, for these past 12 weeks that we've come together uh, faithfully, Lord God, to, to share your word and to understand what it truly means to be counseled by your Holy Spirit. Father, I praise you because you are truly a wonderful counselor. And Lord God, there is none, there is none at all like you. Father, I thank you for each person who stepped up and, and, and decided to follow through this course. And Father, I pray that you would encourage them, Lord God, when they, when they come across someone who could use this information. Father, that they would pass the information along. Father, that they wouldn't just um, keep it for themselves, but Lord, that they would feel encouragement in their spirit to pass it to the next person. Father, that we could become a mighty army for your kingdom. Lord God, I just thank you and give you praise for all that you do for each one of your children. In the name of Christ Jesus and all God's children said, amen and amen. So just to recap, in case you missed a week somewhere throughout, um, somewhere throughout the past 12 weeks, I know that life happens sometimes. I know that sometimes uh, it's hard to take the time to sit down for that uh, half hour to an hour and and catch up on the lesson. That's okay. But what we started with in this course, we started with what it means to be counseled by God. And then we moved into how to hear God's voice. From there, we, we talked about um, catching the enemy as he tries to get into our thoughts. We talked about what it's like to actually meet with God, what it is to be in the spirit. We talked about inner healing, healing past hurts. We talked about moving from fear into great faith. We talked about getting rid of guilt in our lives and moving forward into hope. We talked about putting away anger and replacing it with love. We talked about uh, some causes of inferiority and how to get rid of those things in our lives that cause them. We talked about depression uh, just last week and how to get rid of depression, how to, or rather how to step out of depression and replace it with joy. And this week, this is lesson 12, and so this lesson is going to be about seeing God in all. Or other words, applying all of these other 11 lessons to life. God is all there is and thus God is in all that is Um, I know that that is a rather deep and profound statement but I hope that that resonates in your spirit because as we go through life we recognize as believers that life is not always easy and we talked about that uh, even last week when we talked about depression and joy 
Uh, life really throws some curveballs at us sometimes. And, and that's not a bad thing. It doesn't mean that you're doing anything wrong. But what it means is that you're human. Uh, you and I live in a fallen world. If you read through the first several chapters of Genesis, you find that what we live in today is the result of a sin. It was never supposed to be what is today. But God's original design was that man should live in harmony with God. And when when the serpent came into the garden and uh, deceived Eve and, and thus caused the fall of man, when, when Adam and Eve stepped up and took the bite of the apple, um, so it began, the fall of man. So began uh, the, the, the life that we know today of sometimes walking around with the question, God, where are you? You see, God always knows where we are because God is omniscient. He's omnipresent. He, he can know everything and he can see everything. He is everywhere. But we are mortal beings that can only be here and now. And we talked um, during, during the lesson on inner healing about how God is timeless. And, and so God is both in our past, he's in our present, and he's also in our future. God is already there. So we're going to look tonight at a couple of scriptures. And, and I, I don't need to take real long uh, for this lesson just to, just to bring this to a close. But I want to talk about what it is to apply being counseled by God to life. So if you have your uh, Bible and you want to turn with me uh, to some scriptures, we're going to begin in the book of 2 Corinthians. That is, if I can get my Bible open. Let's try that again. There we go. Uh, The book of 2 Corinthians, we're going to begin in chapter 4. And I want to read verses 17 and 18. And it says this. This is from the New International Version. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. And and so that's a great scripture as we bring this uh, 12-week course to a close. That's a great scripture for us to tuck away into the depths of our hearts. Because as, as human believers in, in an unseen God, we have to recognize that, that the troubles, the tribulations that we go through really are momentary. Because we ourselves are momentary. And that's a, that's a really um, hard thing to realize, I guess, is what I would say. Because it's hard to really put into focus the fact that we are but a moment, but God is eternal. So hide this scripture in your heart. Fix your eyes not on what is seen, 
but on what is unseen. In other words, don't set your eyes on the things that surround you, the tangible items of the world, but set your eyes on things above. Set your eyes on Jesus. And and if you've been in church uh, for most of your life, or if you're a big Alan Jackson fan, you've probably heard the song, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus, Look Full in His Wonderful Face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. And these are words that we can that we can live by when we set our eyes on things unseen because what is unseen is eternal. Hide that scripture in your heart. Um, seek God and, and ask him to really uh, make it plain for you. <clears throat> and then I would ask you to turn to the book of Habakkuk. And it's, again, not a book that we often go to, although we did use it uh, during our second lesson when we talked about how to hear God's voice. And I want to take you back to Habakkuk chapter 2, but this time I want to go down to verse 14. It says this, For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. What does that mean to us? Well, the knowledge of the Lord, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord, that is, has to start somewhere. And so as we take time to be counseled by God, when God speaks his godly wisdom and counsel into our lives, what is he ultimately doing? He's showing us his glory. And we see his glory, and we, t- we can then testify to the greatness of his glory. And so I, I chose this scripture verse Because you think about how does the water cover the sea? We we recognize that the water is the sea. Uh, If if you've ever been out in much water, you know that the bigger the body of water, the farther out you go, the harder it is to see land. And um, so... If you've ever had the experience of being out on a boat far off the shore and you look around you and you see nothing but water, what must it be like if that same vision, if 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 the water that you are imagining right now is the glory of the Lord, how awesome must that be? For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. And when we get to experience God's glory by him sharing counsel into our lives, we can testify to his glory. Hallelujah. Turn with me to the book of Psalms. And I want to take you to Psalm 139. This is one of my favorite psalms. And it's a little bit long. But as I as I wade through how much of it to read, I decided we should read all of it. 
because it it just makes sense with this course. And it reads this. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all of my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the morning, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. If I say surely the darkness will hide me, and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you, for the night will shine like the day, for the darkness is as light to you. For you created my inmost being, You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious are your thoughts toward me, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. If only you, God, would slay the wicked. Away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord, and abhor those who are in rebellion against them? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way of the everlasting. You see, this scripture, these, these 24 verses that the psalmist has written, make an excellent case for the life of a man, the life of a woman, for, for the life of mankind who, who seeks to know God. We have an understanding that God has searched us and known us We have an understanding that we cannot get away from God any place we go. We have an understanding that God has knit us together. We have an understanding that we could not begin to count the thoughts that he thinks toward us. But then, by the time you come to verses 19, 20, 21, and 22. 
the human way really comes out. And, and it begins to speak of the wicked. And, and you can sense the anger and the passion in, in the psalmist's writing. But at the end of the passage, I, I believe it is so important that it ends with a rather repentant phrase. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of the everlasting. When we consider seeing God everywhere, seeing God in all things because he is all things, this scripture, this chapter of scripture, really brings it to light. A God who knows when you sit and when you rise. A God who knew you before you were formed even in the most secret place. A God who thinks many precious thoughts toward you. So many, in fact, that we could not count them. When, when you begin to study this scripture, it's, it's breathtaking and it's hard. It's a, it's a hard scripture to read and it's a hard scripture to ponder, to pray over. It's a hard scripture because it really shows just how vast the love of God toward us truly is. So I want you to take those, those three scriptures and I want you to hang on to them. And I want you to know that seeing God in all things takes focused eyes. Eyes are designed to stay focused even if the head moves. You see, you can, if, if you have something directly in front of you, I want you to look at it and turn your head slightly. You'll notice that as you turn your head, your eyes are capable of staying locked on the item that you've locked them on. Know, know this. And I'm going to say this in first person. My eyes are moved by my control. That's, that's way deeper than what it sounds. Because in this course, we've talked about what? The eyes of the Spirit. We've talked about the eyes of the Spirit very frequently. And, and it's important for us to know that those eyes of the Spirit are, are part of how we hear God and we see what God says to us through vision. When we fix our eyes on Jesus... We can turn our head slightly. But you see, if you, if you try to look out of the corner of your eye for long, it becomes uncomfortable. And you have to make a choice. You have to straighten your head back out or your eye, the, the muscles in your eyes are going to begin to strain a little bit. But see, if I'm ready to move my eyes 
off of what I'm fixed on. It takes my own control. My eyes are moved by my control. And it's the same with the eyes of my spirit. The eyes of my spirit are moved by my control. I can fix my eyes on Jesus and and become slightly distracted and begin to turn. But something's going to call me to straighten my head back out so that my eyes don't become weak. And that thing that's calling, rather that someone that's calling, is Jesus. So if there's one thing about eyes that I want you to take into consideration, it is this. My eyes are moved by my control. The eyes of the heart see that God is in all. Like I've said, he is all and he is in all because he's timeless. And so as we bring this course to a close, I want to leave you with one last journaling exercise. And I want you to ask the Lord this question. Where are my eyes? And how can I better watch for you in everything? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you again for this time. And Lord God, I just ask that you would pour out your blessing upon each one of these people. I pray, Father, that you would help them to keep their eyes firmly fixed on you. Father, that your voice would gently call the minute their head begins to turn. Father, that they would straighten their head back out to keep their eyes steadfastly locked. Lord God, I just thank you for each person who's come together, who's, who's taken the step to come deeper and closer with you. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, I pray that you would outpour and release a mighty blessing. Let, let loose, Lord God, a mighty move of your Holy Spirit, that each person would feel you. Father God, that no person would turn from this course, these 12 weeks of study, that no person would turn and and walk away the same as when they began the first session. But Father, that each person would be changed because they've met with you, God Most High. Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting Father. We give you all praise, honor, and glory in the righteous name of Jesus Christ. And all God's children said, Amen and Amen. Thank you guys so much for joining me in this series. I've had a lot of um, a lot of good feedback from everybody. I've, I've had a great time teaching, and I hope that you've all really enjoyed the content. And I look forward uh, to our next series. So until then, y'all take care and God bless.